Grace Bransom with the Words to Use podcast, and I'm so excited to be back. Um, I've mentioned this many, many times before, but I'm terrible at being consistent in the way that I post, but I think I'll make up for it today with my incredible guest, Java John Long. How's it going? Mm, 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 I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Grace? Fantastic. I'm so Good. excited to have you here. Yeah, me too. So if you don't know who Java John is and you've been living under a rock and you've never seen TikTok before, um, he is my TikTok famous friend who makes incredible coffee, but I've known him longer than that and he's a lot more than coffee and TikTok and I want to talk about that. Let's talk about it. Okay, but first, we got, okay, this is, this is a question I used to ask Mm -hmm. a long time ago, not a long time ago because I've only been doing this for like five minutes, but on my first couple, I would say, I would ask people like what their favorite coffee order is. Mm. And I want to ask you because you're the coffee guy. Yeah. So my so I have two, <clears throat> two favorite coffee orders. Um, and so like being the coffee guy, so like people that don't know, like I roast coffee. I own Java John's Roasting. Um, so it's just uh, javajohns.coffee. A coffee so good, it doesn't need a dot .com. Oh, and, uh So yeah, so you can go order coffee there. So as a coffee roaster, you know, I've traveled all over the country and tried all sorts of different coffees. Um, and when I go into your coffee shop, uh, I try two drinks to see. It's like, do these people know what they're doing? Um, as dumb as it is, the first thing is just a black coffee. Um, so pretty much everywhere I go, I get a black coffee and then I get a Cortado. And so the black coffee I'm looking for, like, how are you roasting? Like, are you getting from somebody that's just a mass roaster and all it does is taste like burnt rubber and nastiness? Um, Or, like, can you actually taste the region? Like, is it legit? Um, And then I get a Cortado because that lets me know, like, how good of espresso you're using. And so, I mean, espresso is not a roast. It's just uh, you talk to your roaster and, like, this one's good for espresso. It tastes kind of like this. Most good espresso um, has very chocolatey notes, maybe a little bit of fruit in it. Um, and they're they're pretty bitter, you know, like dark chocolate style of bitter. But it shouldn't be bitter in the sense of, like, bleh. It should be bitter like <laughs> eating dark chocolate. Like, hey, this is bitter, but I like it. Um, yeah. You know, and so um, I like the Cortado because it's a half and half of it's a shot of espresso with two ounces of milk on top of it. Um, and you can really kind of taste everything that's going on there. And so that's my like standard. I'll go somewhere. Cortado's not enough coffee to satisfy me, but I want to try your espresso. And then I get just a black cup of coffee to see where you're at. And I judge you harshly on the inside, <laughs> but I encourage you with all I can on the outside. I'm like, you're doing such a great job. And then on the inside, I might be like, this coffee sucks, but I still want you to be successful. Um, but that, yeah, that's my, that's my coffee order. It's pretty boring. No, um, but that's a coffee guy, good. that's my thing. That's my thing. Well, that's better than like, because I'm like a vanilla latte or a lavender latte. I want the vanilla frappa crappa. (laughs) No, but your coffee is my favorite to drink black. The Mexican roast. Yeah, the Mexican tiger. Yeah, so we've not had the Mexican tiger in a minute. Um, The the farm that sells that like sold all their coffee to one roaster in America and they won't tell me who. And so, because I would like call them and be like, hey, can I have a couple bags um but uh, but yeah but no we got a ton of coffees they're all roasted fresh to order and um yeah it's uh, a lot of fun and so through that like we have a lot of relationships with you know farms in honduras and we just started a relationship with farms down in uh, guatemala and we have farms in sumatra and you know so we have really good like the in honduras the partner that i have we actually like own the mill you know and so we're able to give back in a real mission focused way you know and making sure that 
you know, the people that work for us, you know, are on mission, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they really take care of the farmers in the region and we pay everybody a fair wage. We're, we're not fair trade. Fair trade is at this point, like a marketing gimmick. Yeah. It costs, it costs those farmers. I mean, like for what we would do, it's like several million dollars to become fair trade certified. Uh, the little farmer can't afford that. There's no way, no. you know, and so we just make sure that we treat them fair. We make sure that we process everything in the best possible way. So you get the cleanest possible coffee. Like I saw a guy the other day that on TikTok actually, he was saying, he's like, oh, look what I found in my coffee. And it was a big rock. And I was like, man, like Mm-mm. since we started partnering with Mills, I can't remember the last time I found anything in coffee that was roasted. You know, and so uh, we have the cleanest coffee. It really is good. It is, really is freshly roasted. Um, yeah, it's legit stuff. So check it out. But that's we're not here to talk about that. We're yeah. Here. No, I just I think it's so cool that you like know so much about coffee because like I love it and it's an experience. But yeah. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I right. know if I hate it or if I don't. Yeah, absolutely. But that's about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, like just coffee nerddom. Let's dive off for a second. <laughs> you know, so like if you like drink coffee at home, I think a lot of people do. I mean, it's a very like coffee is like the second largest traded commodity in the world behind gas and oil. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> like right now with inflation as high as it is, um, coffee that is typically roasted is like Arabica coffee. Like it's more expensive. It's uh, super flavorful. It's where you get like all these really cool profiles from. Um, but whenever, whenever our, our country and our world begins going through high inflation, uh, people begin to like go off into Robustas and Robustas is like, it's named Robusta because of what it does. Like it has like 50% more caffeine in it. And it's like, it'll make you oh, shake like Jojo the idiot circus boy. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> the stuff is uh, super legit. It'll pump you up. But it like typically like as it roasts, it has a flavor profile of like burnt rubber and it's like it's not a pleasant like you want to put like lots of sugar and lots of cream in it yeah. to make it pleasant. And uh, so I would say like just kind of this is Java John's like forewarning. Um, watch your mass coffee roasters. You're going to probably notice in some of the stuff that you love like, man, the coffee just tastes a little worse or a little different. And it's because Robusta is super cheap and they begin supplementing with Robusta, um, you know, and historically when that happens, you know, like back in 2008 when we had a recession and even longer we had recessions and they go to Robusta, those big brands begin to see like steep dives in their sales because they're coffee changes and it gets like nastier yeah um and so yeah so seek out small roasters doesn't have to be me you know like i know i do i know colin down at ivy roast locally here yeah and you know i've been helping him some like i love those folks you know so check out some local roasters you know support local you know rather than the big brands um because we're not going to cheap out on on your coffee you're always gonna have a good experience so yeah yeah no i used to drink like um, like this much coffee yeah. with like a thousand like pumpkin spice creamer and like stuff right. in it. And then I was like, ooh, I'm an avid outdoorsman hiker girl. I have to drink black coffee. And then I started drinking it black and I was like, yeah. this is terrible. And then I started drinking like your stuff and like stuff from people around. And I was like, this is actually really fire. Yeah. I see how people can do this and be actually cool avid outdoorsman yeah, and drink black coffee. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a difference in a, a locally roasted uh freshly roasted coffee black than a mass-produced coffee yeah yeah and so like you know there's a lot of care and time and effort that goes into being a craftsman of roasting coffee to where it's like it's not offensive but it's almost offensive when someone's like oh i love your coffee but with like a lot of cream it's like have you have you tried it black Mm, yeah have you at least like tried it because it's okay it's pretty good yeah and uh but yeah so like if you're like 
if you're like, oh, you know, I want to get a black coffee, like, don't do it with Folgers. Sorry, no, you sorry, can't. Folgers. Um, <laughs> don't do it with Starbucks. Like, it's yeah. just too, it's too dark. It's too burnt. Um, but you find the local roaster, you know, try that. And, you know, like the biggest compliment that we get, and we get it about weekly, is someone will write into us on TikTok or Twitter or email us or, and they'll just be like, you know, your coffee is the first coffee I've ever enjoyed black. And I'm like, yeah. I know, I know. Like at this point, it's like, yeah, I get it. And uh, so, yeah, if you're wanting to venture off into black coffee and get away from the creams and the sugars, you, you need to do it with a good coffee. Oh yeah. And that's definitely how I had to do it because my grandma has drank Folgers every single day since I was, since she was like 15. Yeah, right on. Just like straight black. And I'd be like, that's the grossest thing ever. I'll never do this. But mm. then, you know, for the aesthetic, I had to. Yeah. So I'm glad that your coffee made it easy for me to yeah, love black coffee. Right I love the fruitiness. It's, yeah. oh my gosh, it's my favorite thing. I yeah. didn't know coffee could taste like that. Yeah. And then it did. And I was like, oh my gosh, life is better now. God yeah. is actually faithful. Super. <laughs> he's super good at what he does. Yeah. Um, but I love coffee, but let's move yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Love Jesus more. <laughs> um, but I want to hear your your six-word testimony. So what is that? I'm oh kidding. my John, I'm kidding. John, stop it. Yeah, so I'm actually glad you like, because when we talked, it was like, we're going to talk about testimony. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I can share my testimony. You know, but then you texted me this morning. You're like, you know, let's do a six-word testimony. I was like, oh, dang it. Six words. It's, it's so hard. Few, but it's really not. It's not for me. You know, okay, and so, mind. like, I began praying over it this morning, and I was like, oh, man, this just got super easy because the Lord's faithful. Um, yes. You know, because I began really evaluating, like, who has the Lord made me over the last decade? And uh, this is what he's been teaching me more and more. And this has become my uh, my six-word testimony. And it is just to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so my, my, my walk with the Lord in the beginning was very rigid. And it was, it was very rule-driven. And it was very much a, I have to go to church. And I have to read my Bible. And I have to pray. And I have to journal. And, oh, there's a new mission trip. I have to sign up for that. And, oh, they got Bible school. I have to do that even though I hate kids. And, you know, they're, they're, oh, they're yeah. going to camp. I got to go to camp. Um, you know, and, and, and it became very, very hard. And then about a decade ago, um, I was having a quiet time. And I was reading the Message Bible, which is not a good translation. But pick it up as a commentary to help you understand. And I was reading through Matthew. And uh, that's just a passage from there. You know, it's the whole like, you know, are you weary? Are you tired? Are you like, do you have heavy burdens? You know, but it just says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, which I was. Mm-hmm. And he says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, which is valuable mm-hmm. and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Wow. And I was like, Whew, like I started to weep. And I was like, man, like, you know, and then I began to like, you know, just ruminate on other passages of scripture where, you know, like we know that our, our walk with the Lord is a relationship. You know, we know that, you know, there's certain passages of scripture that you look at, you're like, man, I really feel like God's calling me to perfection. And we know that's, that's not real. Like that's not reality. Like achieving perfection is, is just going to cause anxiety and depression, you know, but we begin, we begin seeing loads of pastors, like passages with Jesus, man, where you just see him living this this rhythmic style mm-hmm. of life with God. And there's a lot of freedom in Christ, yeah. you know? And so I just, I, I made the decision. It's been about 10 years ago where I say, you know what? I'm not going to get caught up in stuff. Like I'm, I'm just going to be free. And if God convicts me about something, I'm going to change it. If yeah. I'm reading scripture and it convicts me about something, I'm going to change it. Um, 
But outside of that, I'm not, I'm not going to change my personality and who God made me to be to mm-hmm. fit who the church, quote unquote church, says we're supposed to be and act like and look like. I said, no, I'm going to experience the freedom of Christ and the unforced rhythms of, of what this is. Um, and I'm going to be me. And if cultural Christianity can't accept that, I'm okay with that yeah. because cultural religiosity didn't accept Christ. Come on. Oh my gosh. Boom. Okay. You're going to make me cry over here because I've been through the same stuff. Like, <laughs> because I feel like it's so easy to get burnt out whenever you're in these forced rhythms of what the church wants and what religion wants. And when you're not perfectly exactly what they want to see, it's, sure. it's hard. And it makes you, and there's a lot of guilt attached to that too. Like, yeah. why don't I want to go serve with the kids? Why don't I want to go on this mission trip that I'm not called to at all? That's not my problem. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why don't I not want to do these things? And then you feel like it's, it's a God problem when it's actually not a God problem at all. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's really cool. And I love that you have walked through that. It's yeah. the coolest thing ever. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and you know, and for me, it's another. I'm just going to pull up another verse. I mean, it's it. about Jesus, right? Come on. <clears throat> you know, and so another verse to me that was super, super freeing was um, uh, John chapter three, verse seventeen, and uh, it's something that's always really resonated with me. We all love John three sixteen. Like every everyone that says they're a Christian. Um, probably knows it, or like if you start reading, you're like, for God's love the world, like, oh yeah, I got, I got that one. <laughs> I know that one, you know, but you know, and then a few years ago, I began studying the book of John and I just came across 17 and I, I realized that through all the years that I pastored and all the years that I preached and all the years that I've taught, you know, I was like, okay, like I've always stopped at John three sixteen that, you know, God gave his son to the world that if all believe in him, you know, you don't have to perish. You can have eternal life. And that is a beautiful, beautiful message, you know, but then re, like a few years back, I just dove into 17 where it was just like, but God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, you know, and, and I really like through the freedom of Christ and with everything that's going on in the world, like I really felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me through that freedom, through the unforced rhythms is that if Jesus is not here to condemn the world, then I'm certainly not either. Yeah. And while there's plenty of things that are going to happen in the world that I don't like, that I don't agree with, that I look at and I weep over and I'm sad about, I'm not going to be the guy that stands up on my soapbox and just yells at everybody. Yeah. And it's just like, you're, you're awful in your heart. Because the reality of it is, is that we can't expect people that don't know Jesus to live like they do. Yeah. We can't. We and, and, and so we, we have to look at those things and say, okay, if Jesus didn't come to condemn this, neither did I. This is part of my unforced rhythms. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's nowhere that Jesus is telling me to attack this. Um, and what, what I see Jesus do is I see Jesus live through it, build good relationships, love people well, um, and, uh, and, and live life unforced. Yeah. Yeah. No, I saw this Instagram post the other day that really just made me upset. And I want to talk about it right now because Let's I forgot it. about it till right I now. I like it. Let's go Instagram. I saw this thing and it was like, don't sit at tables. Jesus would have flipped. And I'm like, no, he would not have flipped that table. He would have sat down. Mm-hmm. He would have talked. He wouldn't have flipped the table and ran away. Like That's he's, right. he's not sketchy and he's not here to tell you stuff and what he doesn't mean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jesus is a lot cooler than I think we made him out to be. Yeah, he definitely was. Yeah. And I think it was, I mean... So the, and I think it's important to realize the tables that he flipped were religious tables. Yeah. Every time. You know, so like when, when he's flipping tables, it's to, it's to call out religiosity. It's, it's to call out being angry over things that are happening in the church. Yeah. Um, now don't get me wrong. Like, like, in, cause this is what's going to happen. Like somebody's going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, well, 
Java John is touchy feely and oh, loves no. sin, and um, that that's not that's not the case. Like yeah. I, I do believe that that I mean you have to believe like Scripture teaches that God hates sin. Jesus hates sin. Yeah. Um, you know, but but what we see his unforced rhythm with people is that he hated the sins of the church more. Yeah. Because it pushed people away from the church. Um, and and he he responded without condemnation through the New Testament towards the sins of the world, you know. And and, and I think the reality of it is 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 we see this now. We can we can name off any cultural thing that's happening. I'm not going to because I don't want to get either one of us canceled. Yeah. But the reality of it is there there's a lot of things that are taking place in the world right now that if the church took a it's I mean Galatians six one says brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression ye who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness mm-hmm. that if the church was taking a spirit of gentleness towards a lot of these cultural issues that the church has a problem with Jesus took a spirit of gentleness to the world he took a spirit of wata to religiosity <laughs> yeah you know but he he took a spirit of gentleness when he was dealing with with sin when he was dealing with transgression Paul talks about a spirit of gentleness when you're dealing with sin when you're dealing with transgression um. I think if the church began doing that, we'd see a lot more open hearts and open minds because the the, the loudest of us is just screaming, you're going to hell and this is awful and you're a horrible yeah. person and I can't believe you and I hate you and God hates you um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. We missed it. We so missed it. Those people who are saying those things, I'm like, we are not talking about the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way because you're, you you're so confused and messed yeah. up. I, I did a show a few weeks ago with my friend Annie and she talked about um, church hurt. And then I talked with my friend Chloe again about like church hurt, but Christian hurt because mm. Christians are really good at hurting each other. Sure. Um, and you've been in, in the church. Yeah. So talk about that from your perspective. Church hurt. Yeah. Uh, it's real, man. You know, uh, so I was a youth pastor for a long time. I was a senior pastor for a while. Um, you know, for the last 18 years, I've done evangelism, speaking at church camps and those kinds of things. Um, church, church hurt is very, very, like I served at a church one time that told me that they viewed their mission from the Lord, which is super unbiblical. They viewed their mission of the Lord was to be spiritual sandpaper, to bring you there, treat you like garbage so that when you left, you realized how good you had it. You've got to be kidding me. No. And, uh, you know, so the, the reality of it is there's a lot of church hurt and, and and I think that we have to under, I think we have to have a little bit of grace with church hurt. Yeah. Um, because churches are filled with imperfect people. Absolutely. And, and so like church leaders have to live in this weird balance of hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. And and it's just going to happen that way. They they have to live in this balance of they they can't take everything personal, which is why I felt as a pastor, I took a lot of things personal um, when when I when I shouldn't have, when I should have looked at it and been like, man, they, like they're not mad at me. Yeah. Like this, like even even in any any other kind of church hurt, like if people are gossiping about you, talking bad about you, whatever, maybe it's like they're they're not mad at you. They got they got so much going on inside of themselves, etern- like internally, mm-hmm. um, that they're projecting it onto you because they don't know how to deal with what they have going on. Yeah, you know. So while church hurt is a very very real thing, um, I think I, I view church hurt because it comes up a lot. I view church hurt kind of as like all the cultural things we're dealing with right now in, in our world. Um, I think church hurt has a very very loud voice, even though I really do believe it's a minority. Yeah. Um, because people like to scream, oh, the church did this to me. And it's like, you know, but like we we have to step back in all these situations and view it for growth and just kind of say, okay, yeah, the church hurt me, not Jesus. Yeah. So, Lord, what did you want me to learn from this experience? And it's hard because, I mean, the church is the bride of Christ. And so it's hard whenever his wife's a hater. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's I, so great, but his wife is being yeah, real mean. I, I think <laughs> it's really important, though, to understand that um, not every church that says they're a church is, a, is really one. Yeah. 
Oh, no. talk about that. Yeah. You know, so the, the reality of it is, is that if, if the church isn't living principles that are biblical, mm-hmm. um, it's not really a bride. Yeah. It's just not, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, there, there's scriptures all over that talk about, you know, that you, you will know each other. You will know that you belong to me by your fruit. You know, if, if you don't, if the church doesn't have fruit, it's not, you know, like one of the things he says, Hey, the church that I pastored and, you know, like it was a really traditional Southern Baptist church and it had lots of woes with a lot of good people. And, you know, we would have business meetings and we'd get up and we'd vote about things. And I'd always say, and it, man, it would tick people off. But, you know, I'd just say, look, if, if you did not spend time praying about this, you have not earned the right to vote on it. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> and people would get upset. Um, and But the reality of it was, all I was saying was like, like we are trying to be the bride of Christ. Some of you are not. Yeah. And like, if you, if you were actually not living a, a spirit bought life, you don't have the, you don't have the right to make spirit bought decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I don't know, like church hurt is a really, really real thing. And it's a really, really big thing. I think church hurt happens because of a lack of church discipline. You know, we got to the point that we said, um, churches are only here to make you feel good. And churches mm-hmm. are certainly not to make you happy. They're to make you holy. And, and, and we, we are stuck in this culture of happiness to where if somebody at church comes to us and says, Hey, I need to talk to you about such and such. Maybe it isn't church hurt. Maybe you're sinning yeah. <laughs> and they, and they, and they <laughs> need that. to have a talk to you about that. Now, maybe it is church hurt though. Like the, that, but that's what it is. But the reality of it is inside of church hurt, um, this is so I go to a wonderful church, Chisholm Summit Community Church. Um, used to be called Reese Prairie, so some people will know that more. They've been mm-hmm. around for almost 100 years. And truly wonderful, truly healthy church. Um, staff has been there forever. I mean, literally. You know, I started going there when I was five. Um, I've been gone a lot and come back and gone and come back from serving at churches and living all over the country. You know, but when we moved back to the area, it's immediately where we went back to, you know, but like the pastor that's there now came when I was five years old. Mm. He's still there. You know, wow. uh, his son is the, you know, now the connections pastor. He was a children's pastor. He's been there for 18, 20 years, but he grew up there. You know, the youth pastor has been there for over 15 years. The worship and administrative pastor has been there for over 30, like 37 years or something. Like wow. it's like the, the, the longevity there is crazy, you know, but, but there's like, it's not perfect. Yeah. You know, like those guys aren't perfect. Their spouses aren't perfect. The church isn't perfect. But this is how I deal with church hurt. So like recently, um, within the last several months, you know, I had somebody come to me to talk to me about one of them. And they're like, you know, this person did this and they did this and they didn't. So what I did is I listened and then I said, awesome. And I pulled out my cell phone and I, and I hit call and I put it on speaker and they saw the person's name there and they go, why are you calling them? I said, we need to talk about this right now. Yeah, you have to. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They, they reached over and hung up my phone. <gasps> And like, what are you doing? I go, if you have this much hurt against the, with this person as the body, of Christ, we have to deal with this. Yeah. Because like that, that that's going to be a cancer that permeates the body. Like, cause like, I'm sure I'm not the first person you've told, yeah. but I guarantee I was the first person that called them on it. You know, and so like when it, when our conversation was done, I called that person. And I said, "Look, I don't want to be a gossip, but I need you to know that I just had a conversation with this person, and I told them that when we left, I'm telling you what they said." Yeah. Um, and I was like, "You might want to call them and follow up on this." And they're like, "I really appreciate you doing that." Yeah. And um, because the reality of it is, is I think that we would have a whole lot of church hurt if we called people on their BS. Yeah. And we, when they came to us and they gave us something, we're like, you know what? Fix that. Let's call somebody. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's 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 call Sister Sue right now. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh no, 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 no. It's like, well, if it's not if it's not worthy enough to talk to them about, mm. it's not worthy enough to talk to me about. Perfect. Perfect. And if people have so much to say to you, then they probably haven't even told Jesus yet. Yeah, probably not. And I think that, that that's well, a Jesus fun would tell thing. them to shut their mouth. Yeah. 
That's all it would be. Yeah. You know, they'd it would go, be over. Yeah. They'd be like, it'd be like, you know, and then they'd be like, well, Lord, I think I really need to go talk to John about this. And he'd be like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably should talk probably, to the person this is about. Probably, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. You know, and look, and, and I think there's a valid thing there too, though, of like, sometimes it is like Matthew 18, like when it comes to like church discipline, it's very, very biblical mm-hmm. to go and talk to the person. And then if they, if, if they won't reconcile with you, then you do talk to somebody else and bring them. And then if they won't reconcile with you, then you, you bring a group of people and, and come talk to them. And yeah. then if they won't reconcile, that group of people is like, Hey, like if you won't reconcile, maybe you shouldn't be part of us anymore. Yeah. You know, you and, should have. Yeah. And so like, like, so church hurt, I think is a direct correlation for lack of church discipline. And then I don't like the word church discipline, but that's how you're going to see the heading in all of your Bibles, you know, but like <laughs> church hurt is, is, is a, is a, is a direct correlation of a lack of like biblical Christian accountability mm-hmm. of yeah. you, you, you cannot bring the outside nonsense into who we are and what we do. Yeah. And if you do, we're going to talk about it. I mean, the problem is we just we don't talk about enough things. Yeah, I mean, and as a healthy body, if if if, if a church person, a church higher up or whatever you want to call it, wants to come to you and be like, "Hey, your life's kind of looking sketch. What's going on?" Yeah, um, that's not church hurt. That's 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 them being a good pastor. So yeah. it sucks yeah. that people can't get with that. But absolutely, um, we we don't know who you are. Tell us about your family. Tell us about who you are, John. I'm John. Hi, John. I'm just John. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm John. I mean, I grew up in this area, you know, I'm, I'm 40, about to be 40. What? When? And, yeah, I'll be 40 soon enough. And, oh, my gosh, uh, crazy. I know. And, uh, you know, but I, but I grew up here. I mean, I graduated. I went to Burleson for a long time. I graduated from Joshua. You know, I went to church here forever. Um, you know, but I got a wife, Jennifer. I got two awesome kids, James and Emma, and uh, they're all incredible. Um, truly, oh, yeah. truly, you know them. And uh, they're truly incredible. They're like all the brightest spots of my life. Um, and so, yeah. And so, I mean, then like I do, you know, I do, like I said, I do coffee. Um, I also have Java John's media where I help small businesses where their social media is kind of like, Hey, if I can help my business scale to 300,000 followers, I can help you too. Um, and, and make you successful. So uh, we dabble in that. Um, my wife helps me with that a little bit. Um, and then travel and speak and do all that kind of stuff to church camps and, and that kind of stuff. Any, any, any time I get the chance. Um, but yeah, it's kind of me in a nutshell. I love it. And yeah. I love your family. Like, yeah, I have never met a family like y'all's. Like, I've never, <laughs> like, like seen a family and been so obsessed with them in my life. Because yeah, cool. you guys are just perfect and precious. Uh, we're, we're definitely not perfect. Perfect but we in are the precious. sense of precious yeah. in every way. Yeah, um, we're precious for sure. Jennifer's an angel. She's something. Like, sent from actual literal heaven. Yeah. It's and your possible. kids are perfect. Yeah, they're great. We have, have great kids, and my wife is awesome. And, uh, but we are definitely imperfect followers of Christ. Um, but I think that we've all really embraced um, trying to live the unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. And because, uh, I mean, that's how we're trying to raise our kids. Like, I mean, trying to raise my son to realize that, oh, I need, you're not a failure because you didn't do that. Like, it's just part of life, you know, and, and helping them realize that that the relationship with Christ just doesn't have to be so rigid. Um, and I don't know. My wife's awesome. Like, without her, my kids would probably be like, like hellions. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we make a good team. That's for sure. For sure. And oh oh my goodness. And your children are very beautiful little people. Yeah, They're awesome. And they're so kind and polite and precious. And I love them. You're the kind of family that we want to go to dinner with. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Like you're the, you're the cool people. Cause most people it's like, Oh, we're friends on the internet. We don't talk. (laughs) Right. No, you people are like doing life people. And I love that. Um, you guys are the actual literal best, but, um, okay. You mentioned a second ago, something about getting canceled. And so I want to talk about cancel culture with someone of your following. How many followers Ah, do you have? That's like 200. 73,000 on TikTok. That is and, a lot. 
uh, almost, I think almost 9,000, like 8,500 on Instagram. And we just started focusing there, trying to grow that, that world. Um, but yeah, I mean like all socials together, about 300,000. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of freaking people. So are you scared (laughs) to get canceled? No. Um, I'm really not scared of getting canceled because I don't typically say things that are super controversial. Yeah. Um, you know, like my, my goal, um, on everything I do in social media is to be the bright spot in somebody's life. You know, like yeah. I have several friends through social media wise that, man, they, they call people out on the internet and they, they block people all the time. And I got blocked six people on TikTok, and I, I got to remember all of them and I remember why. Um, but like, I don't block, like if people come and they hate on me or, or they yell at me and, um, you know, I, I went through a season where I almost got canceled. Oh, I had like a whole subreddit of people that hate my guts. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, because I'm not James Hoffman. So if you know James Hoffman, go look him up. He's a famous coffee guy. Um, but yeah, like I had a, like a, a, a stretch there where I was permanently banned. Um, and I had to send like all these emails into like TikTok corp. And I was like, I don't understand what I was like. And I was like sending in like these subreddit threads. Like these guys are like, they literally were like, let's cancel Java John. I was like, you guys are jerks. Um, <laughs> yeah, cause they didn't do anything other than not make coffee the way they like. Um, what? you know, and so, but I don't worry. Like, so like the reason that I don't worry about it is because my goal on all my social media is to be the brightest spot of your day. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like the reason I don't block people and the reason I don't fear being canceled is because of the positivity that I try to bring. Mm-hmm. And so like even people that are mean to me, I usually just let them be there and be haters. Cause if they want to comment, it just helps the algorithm anyway. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, but for me, I'm like, man, like I might be the only positive source they had for the entire day yeah. like them coming here and hating on me for loving on people it might be the only good thing they see today and so like i don't really worry a whole lot about it because i don't delve off into politics or cultural things or anything like that i mean i do talk about jesus from time to time because i do love him yeah. and uh you know but those usually do just fine you know like i think most of the people in my community know like I love the Lord, um, but I'm still super respectful of who they are as people um, because Jesus would have been super respectful of who they are as people. Yeah. And, uh, and and I think it works. Um, so I don't really worry about it too terribly much, but but it is always in the back of your mind because literally it takes one word for somebody to be like, that's it. You're dead to me. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and it's over because we live in a very reactive, weird society. They see people get canceled all the time and they think that they can be the one that does it to somebody. And so I don't worry about it a whole lot, but it is. I mean, it sits back there. It definitely sits back. I mean, there. it could happen to anyone. It happened to Jenna Marbles. Yeah. So it can happen to anyone. Yeah. I mean, it um, I love that woman. Bring her back. to anyone. Yeah. I mean, literally, it can happen to anyone for anything. It can be real. It can be fake. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it can be scary, but it's not that big a deal. I worry about Christians canceling me sometimes, yeah. even though I have like zero following. Yeah. But like, I worry about it because like, I present Jesus as someone who's a lot cooler than we thought he was. And um, people don't really like that. They want him to be lame so that, yeah, that. They, can, they can fit in his little box. You I know get what that. I mean? I, you know, I've talked about on First Word Ends of Grace. Um, I think it was back at Easter. Um, I did a video and it did really well. I mean, it got like, I don't know, like 100,000 views or something. And, uh, and it, like most of the comments were super, super positive, but there was definitely those in there that were like, you don't even know Jesus. And I was like, well, that's really judgy. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there was one guy that, you know, like he, he and I went back and forth a couple of times and, you know, he was just like, this is not the Jesus of the Bible. And I was like, well, we're reading a different Bible, and, <laughs> um, you know, and, and he was like, and he, and, and look, he's, his opinion's fine. He can have his opinion. No, but he was like, you were what's wrong with Christianity. And I was like, oh, well define that. Like, yeah, I was what? like, I was like, I'm just curious. Um, and he just felt like, and, and I get it. You know, he was like, you know, he's like, Christianity is getting too soft. 
And, I agree. Uh, and I said, no, I said, I, I definitely agree. Um, but the reason I think that Jesus oftentimes came, look, and Jesus was not soft against sin. Like people are going to think that I'm saying that. Yeah, um, he was not. And he was not soft against sin, like at all, like, Mm-mm. like no possible way, like in, in no, like in, in no terms was he okay with sin. Like, it's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but he dealt very gently oftentimes with sinners. Now, like whenever they came to him, there was plenty of times that he was like, depart from me. And yeah. there, there, there was plenty of times that he was like, oh, you're not, you're, you're, you're not going to do this. Go away. You know, there was plenty of times he'd tell people go and sin no more, you know, knowing that that was impractical, like they weren't, it's not impractical, it's yeah. not practical. Um, you know, but his whole thing was, you know, like that, that, I, that Christians were coming too soft. And now I was like, you know, the, the, the message of, of the cross is so offensive. That's what scripture says. Mm. Um, you know, that, that people are going to think we're crazy for believing it. That's what scripture says. Yeah, possibly. Um, that. We have to be the ones that aren't condemning. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to do everything I can to be a bright light in a dark world and pray that if people begin to seek the Lord because of me, that the Holy Spirit does his work. Like my, my, my job is to be the light. The Holy Spirit's job is to follow up. Like I, I, I can't make that decision for anybody. Um, I, I can't convict of sin. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit does. Um, I can point you in directions. But I, I can't convict you. Um, and so, like, I mean, like, so I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and, like, right now people want to cancel Christians. They because, do. Because they're failing. We're doing a terrible you job. Know, they're, they're failing. You know, and we, we see a lot of leaders that are failing, that are, there are people that are, are famous, quote unquote, Christians that are having just massive moral failures. Yeah. And, and so I think people in, people know what we believe. So they're constantly looking for us to, to falter because then they can blame Jesus when really it's your fault. Um, and so, no, I get it. I, I get that. I mean, Christians love to cancel people just as much as the world does. Yeah. So it's really sad. No, it's, it's not fun. It's terrible. It's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Um, so wait, you said you started at your church when you were five. Yeah. Okay. How did you meet Jesus? What was that uh, first moment like? I wasn't, I was like 19. Okay, perfect. Let's and so I mean, that. like I, I, I said, I was a Christian. So the first time, the first time I accepted Christ, um, I was seven years old, and I did it because Ryan Woods did it, and uh, I did it because I saw Ryan Woods. He did it at church camp, and then he came back to church, and he walked down the middle aisle, and the pastor hugged his neck, and everybody loved him, and everybody like stood up and they like clapped for him, and then he like a week later he got baptized, and everybody clapped for him again. I was like, I want that. Like that looks really cool. I love it when people clap. And yeah, I like I liked him. <laughs> You're not entertained. And uh, you know, and so like I was like, I'm gonna do that. And that's like and you know, and like in my in my innocent heart, I was like, I didn't know Jesus, I did love yeah. Jesus, and I was like, but this is why but that was why. Um from that point on I probably accepted Christ like twenty more times. Like every time I went to a every time I went to something with the youth group, I was like, I'm not saved. No, talk and, about uh, that. That was what Christian culture was for yeah, forever. Was super was like, emotional. Stop asking Jesus yeah. into your heart, he's there. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, every Everything was super emotional and it was very emotions driven and teenagers are very emotional. Yeah. And so like I'd go to these events and be like, oh, I got F Jesus again. I lost him. Uh, and I, I'm beyond, I don't even know that I ever found him. Yeah. Um, I, I had this really, really like, like surface level idea of who he was, um, but I never found it for myself. It wasn't until I was 19 years old yeah. um, that I was having, I had a conversation with my, he's still my spiritual mentor. His name is Aaron Schwartz. And I had, had a, just had a conversation with Aaron and I'd, I'd gone back to, uh, my, um, my apartment on Hewland street and I did a lot of drugs and I drank a lot of alcohol and, uh, I was sitting there in the middle of the night and I began, I remember I woke up and I was just weeping mm-hmm. 
because I knew that what I did wasn't honoring to God. And uh, it was the first time that I ever remember truly caring Mm -hmm. that like, it was the first time that I remember like, I I cared that I did it not because I felt like I was, I would make like, I I was always afraid that someone at church was going to find out what I was doing and I was going to disappoint them. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that I remember being like, man, this really disappoints God. Yeah. Shame to conviction. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm really like, I didn't feel guilt. I didn't feel, I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel, I didn't feel he was angry at me. Yeah. You know, I, I genuinely was like, you know, like this is just so like to what I know to be true. Cause I, I went through like the phases of like studying Buddhism and I was like, Oh, maybe I'm an atheist. Maybe I'm an agnostic, you know, maybe, maybe I want to look at all these other Eastern religions and, um, you know, and, and for me, it, it really through apologetics came back to like, I, you know, I, I genuinely believe that, that that Jesus is who he says that he is. Um, and he's either, you know, C.S. Lewis, he's either a liar, lunatic or Lord. And I said, he's Lord, you know? So I sat there that night and I was like, okay. And I just prayed. It was a Saturday night. And I prayed and I said, Lord, if you sober me up by the morning, it was one of those like, if you wills, Mm. I was like, if you sober me up in the morning, I'll go to church. And I did. He sobered me up. I went to church. I said, God's called me to ministry of some kind. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I can't keep living the way that I'm living. Um, And that's where, that's, that's when I like, remember being like, okay, I'm now sold out. I, I, I actually believe this. Mm-hmm. It's not a surface level belief. It's I, I genuinely believe the Bible is real. God is who he says he is. Jesus is God. Like I, I believe that. So now I can't not live that way. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, that was the first time. That's crazy. I never knew that about you. Yeah. Yeah. That was the main time when I was kind of like, this is it. Yeah. And there's definitely been plenty of times between then and now where I'm like, God, I'm sorry. Like I oh, gotta yeah. I gotta do some stuff a little bit different. Um, you know, but but since then, like there's been no doubt in my mind as to who God is and that I need to serve him and that I believe in him and um that he's hundred percent real and you know, I've read I mean any like almost any atheistic literature I can get my hands on since then and you know reading reading things by Richard Dawkins and you know like uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens and like all these like really famous like like uh, atheistic field philosophers and being like okay like do they have any like any like land to stand on and they didn't yeah um, I just read a bunch of angry authors that for some reason were angry at God and um, you could read that on the pages and I was like well if you can't take your emotion out of it this is a totally emotional reason for not believing exactly um, and it, it's it's really not a scientific reason and so yeah that's when it made sense to me and ever since then it's been good so it's like over 20 years now oh my gosh yeah. I love this yeah that's so cool because I always just assumed it was like I've always kind of known him, you know yeah. what I mean. But that's not the case for a lot of people, yeah, and I, mean, I love that. I, I always had a, I always had a knowledge of him. Yeah, you know, I mean, you it's a very know. Bible belt, like a very Bible belt thing. It's like, yeah, well, I grew up knowing who Jesus was. Yeah, um, but I didn't, I didn't like, I knew who he was. I didn't know him. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's like the biggest enemy of our culture is like fake Jesus versus real Jesus. Sure. The Jesus we think we know versus the one who he actually is. Because yeah. I go to Tarleton, so everyone there is like, I love Jesus and yeah. trucks and bear sure. and I love Jesus. And they don't know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then if you try to call them on it and be like, hey, maybe Jesus is better than you thought. They're like, yeah. no, I know my Jesus, you yeah. know? So I think that's like our biggest enemy is that exact problem yeah. is like being in church and not knowing anything about who he really super is. Um, sure. What is he walking you through right now? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, just uh, trusting his provision. Yeah. You know, and so like I uh, um, like I work right now for Harvest House. And uh, it was, I mean, I won't talk numbers, but it was a very large pay cut to go do that job. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first I said no. And then I was like, oh, well, 
okay, God, you're telling me I should probably really do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. And God was like, well, I don't really need you to. And I was like, okay, I'll go do it. <laughs> um, you know, so like right now we're living in a season of, like we've not had to be there for a very long time. We're living in a season of just trusting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he's walking this through right now is like as we see things come up that in the past would have been like, no big deal. Now it's like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, just watching God work. So that's, that's where we're at right now. And he always will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, and even, and even if he doesn't work in the way that I think that he should, or when he would, it always comes through. It, it always, it always happens. And then, and for me, there's always a lesson, you know. So it's like, like right now, if something that I'm dealing with, that I'm like, okay, God, like I know you're gonna show up, but like when, like, well, <laughs> yeah, I really like if you could show up by this date, that'd be really cool. Um, and and if he does, awesome, and praise be to God. But if he doesn't show up for a week or two weeks or three weeks later, praise God still. And uh, so, but 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 I watch these things. I know his provision will come. I I know that he'll take care of us. Um, and so we're living in a season that we've not been in in a long time. Um, to where we're having to watch God for provision and see what he's going to do. Wow. Yeah. That's a really interesting place to be. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll learn a lot about ourselves and about the Lord, and it'll be a, it'll be a good season of life. Perfect. Um, I was going to ask you, you seem like the kind of person that does this, but I don't know. Do you have a word for the year? Do you do that? I didn't this year. Okay. I usually do. Okay. You yeah. seem like someone who's like, this yeah. is my word. Yeah. I, I've had him in the past. This year, I didn't pick a word. I'm sorry. I'm That's not fine. I was year. just going to see what it was, yeah, but that, it doesn't exist. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Not this year. That's I'm fine. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Is there anything you want to tell us before we head out? No. I think we've talked so much. You know, I mean, I, mean, I guess if I left anybody with anything, we've talked about it a lot, as I would just say, like, like you, it is very, very important that you understand that your relationship with the Lord is unforced rhythms. Um, and I, I'm a musician. I play a lot of different things. And I remember being in jazz band in high school. Um, it was the first time that I realized that I could play the trumpet, but not based on the notes on the page. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can you can live your life for Jesus um, apart from some random man's words on a page. I'm not talking about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, those are the words you follow. Like as, as you read those words, like that's hard enough. Um, sometimes man standard makes living for the Lord harder than it has to be. Mm-hmm. And so don't don't look at the notes from the sermon on Sunday and don't look at the book that you picked up um from christianbooks.com and you know don't like don't don't look at those things and be like oh this is how it has to be. Um pick up the pick up your scriptures. Uh realize that it is unforced your relationship. Wow. If it, if it feels forced, it's wrong. And and so I would say like after today like seek that rhythm. That'd be kind of what I'd leave you with. Perfect. John, it has been incredible having you. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm so encouraged by everything you say. (laughs) And we'll see you next time on the Words He Use podcast. I like it. (laughs)